I do want you to know that actually last week we recorded the session and this week we'll record the session. We'll record it next week as well. Although, really, if you're going to be here for any of the nights, I would encourage you to be here next week, okay? Which you're all here anyway. But uh, next week is when we're really going to begin to talk about, like, so what does this look like? How do I practically do this? Like, we've been setting all of the, the framework for this out, and we're going to do even more of that tonight. Next week we're going to talk about kind of like... I guess you could say evangelism methods, okay? So we'll record that as well, but it'll be better in person. Um, <clears throat> any cool stories from this week? We've been sort of praying that God would give us the opportunities to share the gospel. Um, we have been, you know, thinking about opportunities that might come up as we're going through our day. Any cool stories of God on the move? And if not, that's okay. Uh, I just didn't want to gloss over maybe anybody who had some kind of cool story of God working. I'll share my coworker story. Uh, I mean, it's not like a super gospel presentation, but just today, one of the guys, our superintendents who work on the field, came in. He's been working for the company for four years. And we were just like, hey, how are you? How are you? Um, and then because my brother just got married, I mentioned that he got married, and then and then he just like came in my office and literally put his feet up on the desk next to me and was like, oh, "I've been married three times." And then we just started talking about life and story, and so um, and then it ended with politics. But I feel like just knowing that piece of his story is kind of like talking about the scenarios. Like, how would I go back to that story because it kind of ended abruptly. Um, because, yeah, he had to leave. But anyways, it just kind of opens up a door. Like, okay, how can I plant seeds in this particular area? He's been married three times. Like, he's got a lot of stuff in his life that I didn't have women even known about. So it was kind of cool. And, like, just the fact that he's been working there for four years and he's never come in my office and just, it's just, it was like, we've had a five-minute conversation. Anyway, I know that's cool. So, that is cool. And, and just yeah. a little update on, on my what I shared last week about Bob. We did we were able to spend a nice little journey up north and back in the car with him captive driving and and uh, uh, I didn't have any big conversion to report or anything, but he is very receptive and he wants to continue to talk. Matter of fact, he's even shared two or three texts about you know, want to continue, and then today he wants to get together tomorrow afternoon. He was going to be gone, but he's coming back, so he wants to get together. So uh, it's just uh, it's just fun, and and uh, uh, and uh, I don't know if he has a Bible or not. So I got on Amazon and ordered one, and it came in today. So I nice. get to give him a Bible tomorrow. That's great. Put a little full words of God's wisdom in it for him. I love it. That's wonderful. I did a wedding on Sunday night, and so I had a captive audience. You know, I didn't, like, explicitly share the gospel, but I talked about the goodness of Jesus and his love for his bride and those kinds of things. And uh, nobody responded in any way whatsoever. So the point of that story is a lot of times you will cast the seed and nothing will happen. And 
that's okay. We're not, again, we're not responsible for the results, right? We're only responsible for, here's an opportunity where I can very clearly point this person to Jesus. Am I going to take that opportunity? And they may not respond in any way at all, but that's okay. That part is not your business, right? Or they might, and you can do it. Yeah, the sure. who gave the message that changed my perspective on what Christianity, he doesn't know that I became a Christian three days after he like you just never know. Yeah, amen. Just That's good. Be blind to the... That's good. My dad has the gift of evangelism. He's led, I would say, thousands of people to Jesus. We have a joke in my family where we say, uh, if you end up in a, a um, an airplane seated next to Jerry Root, you were predestined. <laughs> um, but if you were to ask my dad, you know, how many people have you led to Jesus? And he would say probably... I don't think I'm exaggerating when I would say like over a thousand people. Um, if you were to ask him, well, how many people have you shared the gospel with? He would say many, many times that, right? So the reason he's led so many people to Jesus is because he's always sharing the gospel. But he's had many more be disinterested. So anyway, the point is let us cultivate a heart for this work. Does anybody want to share anything from your homework assignment? I had a couple of people send them to me via email, and I enjoyed reading them. I don't know if anybody wants to. This was for your benefit. Um, I would love for you to give me a copy if you brought a copy or email it if you wrote it uh, digitally. Um, but it was wonderful to read these. I was super impressed. Uh, the ones that did come my way, people were able to articulate the gospel well and, uh, and then also take a particular situation that might be going on in somebody's life and very seamlessly kind of uh, pointed back to Jesus. Does anybody want to share theirs? You know, I'm not going to share mine, but I, something that occurred to me as I was doing this, uh, I, the scenario that I took was that a woman had had an abortion at a young age and later recognizes it as wrong and she can't overcome the feeling that she's not good enough mm -hmm. and good enough for salvation and I thought wow Satan really makes his salary yeah in that statement you're not good you're enough. not good enough yeah. you're not good enough yeah and if we can meet people with with the news that you don't have to be good enough because we've got Jesus who's good enough. That's pretty huge. It is. It's huge. I don't, I don't know if uh, you got to the chapter yet. I think it was chapter... Shoot, which one is it? it was, I think it was the last chapter where he... So chapter 6 where he shares the story of his kids and the board game, right? And he nails the two sides of this. You have the shame side that says, I could never be good enough. And then you have the, the pride side that says, well, I'm better than most other people, right? Um, and he does a good job showing how both of those need the gospel. Um, so that's a, that was a great example. Thank you for sharing that. Anybody else? Man, interestingly, in reality, both of those things are, are the same thing because your identity is in what you do. 
either I've done enough and so I, I'm ashamed, I've not done enough and so I'm ashamed, or I know that I can, I, I think that I can do enough, right? And so I'm, I'm self-righteous. Um, anyway, okay. What about the book? Any, any other realizations or epiphanies from the book? So, very high question. Yeah. So, I've been reading several different books on what is the gospel, right? And a lot of it, it seems like everybody has a different view of the gospel, right? Like, you probably, I think that's what the exercise was, right? We worded it all differently, right? But are you guys going to kind of like lay out something that says, here, this is what the gospel is, so that we're all kind of aligned? Yeah, well, okay, so this is where I want to steer away from like formulas, right? Because like you've got them out there, you can go look them up, you know, um, techniques for sharing the gospel. You got the Romans Road, you know, these kinds of things. And I think those things are helpful. Uh, and so we will, we will talk about some of those things, but if actually you go back to, is it week one where we laid out, uh, like what is the gospel, but we looked at it from a bunch of different angles. And the reason is because what I would rather you have is not see, I think the mistake we make sometimes is, okay, here's a person, they don't know Jesus. I'm going to share the gospel. I got the formula. But I think what I would prefer to encourage you to do is here's a person, let me listen, and then let me hear what the, the deep need of the soul is for this particular person, and then let me connect the gospel to that. Does that kind of make sense? Mm-hmm. So if you go back and look at the, the things in there, and, and this one I think is good, like to think about how does the gospel, what is the gospel, right? I mean, very simply, it's Jesus is God. He died for your sins. You're a sinner. You need him turn, repent, believe. Um, but I want us to, to move beyond, you know, formulas into br- like making connections with people and then knowing enough about how the gospel speaks to every area of life where you can speak into that. Is that helpful or no? Yeah, no yeah. Okay. I, 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 cause I came across my reading the book and there was one line there that kind of like interested me, right? Where talks about the gospel is the good news of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the king. And a lot of times we're looking at, and I think he commented in the book too, that we're looking at the death of Jesus and what, you know, why he died for us, but we don't actually look back at his actual life and live that life. Yeah, yeah. And that's a huge piece of presenting the gospel that I think is really, that we really need to understand. I mean, I was sort of posting a rant about this on Facebook today, that the gospel is so much more than just like Jesus died for you, believe, and you get to go to heaven. Right? Actually, God's intention for you is a radically changed life, full of joy and and transformation, you know? That's a piece of the gospel. Um, but you might be talking to somebody who's dealing with guilt, Right, and they're just crushed by it, and so you speak to that. Or maybe you're talking to somebody who's full of pride, and and they need to be humbled. Right, the gospel speaks to both of those sides. It, it speaks to everything. That's the point. Right. Good question. Any other thoughts on the book? Yeah, just going back to kind of your Facebook post today um, when I was reading it from the book. 
Uh, he was saying God's expectation for the human life is his glory, living in such a way as to display and declare what he's really like in everything we feel, think, and do. Yeah. And I think a lot of Christians miss the mark on that terribly. Yeah, and that's powerful, man. And that's why I think a lot of people are kind of disappointed and disaffected with Christianity. Like they were kind of sold like a self-help program that didn't really work very well because I went to church and, you know, I did the church things, but nothing really changed. Versus this gospel that's like, no, everything that you do can point to Jesus and God will be glorified in that and your life will be changed by that. Yeah, That's God's expectation. Yes, that's good. Amen. Okay, well, we're going to uh, very quickly just do a refresher of something we did at week one, which is, and we'll, we're going to look at this from a slightly different angle as well, but looking at the, um, looking at the curriculum now, and man, I had all of this in one document, and then I was doing some different things, and I copied and pasted it out so that your page numbers are gone, which just makes me so frustrated. But it's on the first page. I assume you can count six pages. Um... We're going to talk again about just overcoming our own obstacles. What prevents us from doing evangelism? And I'm going to cruise through these because we covered them in pretty good detail in week one. But listen, listen. We all live by faith in someone or something. And everything that we are and do is a result of what we believe. Our behaviors are the tangible expression of our beliefs. So the real problem, guys, the real problem why we don't do evangelism is because we just don't believe, right? So this is why this is so important because I can give you all the techniques and I can talk about why it's important. I can give you the theological underpinning. But if you don't have something change in your heart by God's grace about what you believe concerning man's eternal condition, God's love for lost people, your need to get in the game and participate. If, if you don't have a shift in your belief system, then you're never going to do evangelism, right? No matter how many books you read or what curriculum you have. And here's part of what, what we need to believe. We are talking about the very real dynamic power of God to create, redeem, and save the power I'm talking about brought the world into existence. It's the same power that breathed life into dust and formed a man. That's good. So, some of the obstacles. Again, division, right? So evangelism is by definition divisive. Um, I was talking with a guy today. You don't know him. He doesn't go to our church, but he's a friend of mine who lives in California. And uh, he became a Christian not too long ago, so I've been kind of discipling him. And he comes from an Asian family where the Lunar New Year is very important. And he didn't want to go this year because for the first time he felt like that has a lot to do with like luck and money and fortune and I feel weird about it. And when he told his dad he wasn't going to come, his dad like freaked out and got super mad at him, right? Um, and put all this guilt on him for family and stuff like that. The gospel is divisive, and this scares us, right? If I share the gospel with my brother-in-law and he gets offended by it, then it's going to be awkward at every Christmas from now till kingdom come. If I say it to my coworker and they rat me out to HR, I could lose my job. 
Uh, and and the gospel forces people to pick a side. Uh, you know, you. I, I mean, I put in here Romans chapter one verse twenty nine. People are by nature God haters, and so therefore they will hate those who proclaim the gospel. Jesus warned us of that. Not everybody, but you know, there are some of those. Um, so there might be some consequences if we actually share our faith, and that scares us. And I'm not saying that we need to be obnoxious about it. I'm not saying that you should go be a martyr and get fired by sharing the gospel. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the fear that we have can often be an obstacle. The next one is shame. Uh, if, we've, if we're honest, we may find out we're actually ashamed of the gospel. Depending on the crowd that you're with, you know, the gospel is unintelligent. Um, it's anti-intellectual. Uh, you know, it's for the, the party poopers who don't know how to have a good time. Um, the killjoys, the unenlightened, the self-righteous and moralistic. And when people begin to heat those things on you, it can be easy to shut down and be like, ah, yeah, I don't want to be that guy. And so we keep our mouths shut. Apathy, again, talking about belief. I mean, do we really believe that God cares for lost people? Do we really believe that our participation in the plan is even important? Right? That's one that I find because I, I have like a, I think a very high view of God's sovereignty. And I think this can be a temptation. If God's sovereign in salvation, then what does it matter whether I'm sharing the gospel or not? But the Bible doesn't leave that option open to us. Right? Jesus said, go and make disciples. Um, maybe we don't even care about the glory of Jesus. Like Jesus, do you understand that every knee will bow and of every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord? The question is, will you do it willingly because you love him and you submitted to him? Or will you do it under compulsion because he is the king of kings? Wouldn't you much rather have the people that you know and love do it willingly because they've heard about this gospel of grace from your mouth? Uh, we talk about the false idea of those that only those with the gift of evangelism are required to share their faith. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts a little bit later tonight and how they connect with evangelism. Uh, a, a very cool piece that Gabe's going to bring for us. And then I kind of conclude here again with unbelief. Look, ultimately all of these obstacles go back to our unbelief. Um... Yeah, we don't believe it's our problem. We don't believe that actually God is powerful. I mean, how, how many... We have like a joke in our culture, and I'm not going to be able to say it verbatim because it escapes me, but, you know, this idea of some, that guy, no, he's the guy that's like beyond grace, right? Like he's too far gone. There's like a phrase for that. Whatever, let's move on. Um, you get my point, right? There's some people that we write off as like, God can save lots of people, but pff, that not that dude. <laughs> um... Yeah, do we believe God's capable of saving the worst of sinners? Do we, do we accept the doctrine of hell? Like, if, if, if you could get a vision for even one minute of the intensity of the doctrine of hell, you would not be able to shut your mouth in telling people there's a way out of that. And I'm not talking even about punishment, I'm just talking about Weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? The loneliness, the isolation, the, the, the just utter uh, closing in of the soul on itself. Okay, you get the point. Uh, we need to 
rethink about these obstacles because the obstacles show what we actually believe, right? It's somebody else's problem. I, I'm not good at that. God's not powerful enough. He doesn't love those people, you know. Pe- yeah. Okay. I'm going to turn it over to Gabe. Well, I guess I should ask any, any other questions on that. Oh, and I was going to pray. <laughs> That's kind of an important one. Any other questions? Okay. Maybe, maybe where you could go with this is to spend a couple of minutes sometime this week and just go to God and just be like, what, what, is, what is the unbelief that's um, weighing on my heart that keeps me from doing this? What unbelief is there that I'm not aware of, God? Well, let me pray. God, I, I pray that you would change our hearts. I pray that you would increase our faith. I pray that, um, man, that we would see lost people the way that you see them. I pray that we would feel the urgency of this message. I pray, too, that we would be free from any sort of burden or, uh, or sense of like necessity to do this because this is a joy and it's, it's your work and, and we aren't responsible for how it ends. We're, we're only just called to participate. Um, so I pray that you would grow our trust in you. And that as you grow our trust, we would just become more confident in telling people, man, Jesus is so great. You need to know this Jesus. Um, So Lord, help us in that. Change our hearts, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hello, everybody. So evangelism is a way of life, okay? Um, Character which is our lives as a testimony to the gospel. Um, so we've talked about the gospel being shared uh, in words, right? And that's primarily uh, what I think we think about evangelism. Is it has to be something that we say. You know, the scripture does say faith comes by hearing the word of God, right? So there has to be talking, right? Uh, but there's other ways that, uh, uh, that we could... Uh, uh, proclaim the gospel in, its, in our actions, in our, in our deeds, uh, uh, the way we live, the way we respond maybe to uh, situations, um, whether good or bad, right? Uh, it, it's, it's interesting. Once somebody knows that you're a believer, sometimes they're looking to knock you down. They're looking to say, okay, I'm going to catch you with something, right? And I'm, I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to prove, you know, that I was right about, you know, how Christians are phony, perhaps, right? So there's people out there looking for that. So, so when we can uh, 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 obey, right, in a, in, a, in a scripturally godly way, biblical way, uh, that's a testimony uh, to the person that wants to try to catch you at something, right? Um, the, um, also here under humility, uh, we're proclaiming a, a message of grace, <clears throat> which is the same message of grace that we have ourselves. That uh, is something we need on a daily basis. Um, the gospel is paired with harsh, condemning, judgmental legalism is not good news, right? So we don't want to proclaim the gospel that way. Um, and since we've been recipients of this wonderful mercy, this wonderful grace, uh, then that's how we want to exemplify that in our lives. Uh, the uh, I'm going to jump down here. I'm going through this a little bit faster. There's something I really want to get to here. Okay. 
cultivating a lifestyle of sharing the gospel. When we were uh, first talking here this evening, uh, Grady used that word, cultivating. And I've been thinking about this a lot. There's evangelism, which I think we have a pretty good idea of, of what that might look like. Then there's kind of a pre-evangelism, right? So just bear with me on this a little bit, right? The, uh, in Scripture, uh, we read about uh, uh, the seed going uh, into good soil, right? And that seed takes root, and then it grows. When people talk about doing evangelism, uh, um, at least when they talk to me about it, if I'm trying to push them into, into, into being more evangelistic, um, they, they say, well, I'm, I'm just the, 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 the seed planter. Or someone might say, well, I'm, I'm the waterer. You, know? you plant the seed, I'm just going to come along and water it somehow. You know? and I'm, I'm not even sure they know what they're talking about when they're saying that. Right? Or they say, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be the, 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 uh, the, the harvester. Right? But I think there has to be a cultivator in front of all that. Right? Where we're tilling that soil. I don't know when I'm tilling soil, when I'm talking to someone who is not a believer, if God's going to save them or not. I have no idea. But what I do know is that he wants me to till that soil. To get ready to, to help them uh, uh, so that when that seed gets planted, uh, you know, it, it takes root. So there's this tilling that, that has to take place. And, it's, and I just call it pre-evangelism. Right? And, and uh, so one way I think about this is uh, John 17, 18 says, uh, as you have sent me into the world, uh, so I have sent them into the world. Mm -hmm. Right? And what that's literally saying is Jesus sent us into the world to preach the gospel. That's how, that's, that's, that's how I take that. Right? And so that means I've got to now be ready to be friends with the world. I've got to be friends with people who are not, who are not saved. Because why would they listen to me? Why would they even talk to me if, 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 if I don't treat them as a friend, if I don't treat them with respect, if I don't treat them with, uh, with the love of God and show the mercy and the love of God and, and how I spend my time with them, how I uh, engage with them or interact with them. And, and, I've, and I've, been around, uh, I've been around believers that, that really believe they're not, they're not supposed to talk to anybody who's not saved. Anybody ever know anybody like that? We just, they just, they just, they clam up. They just spend all their time like in a little clique of just Christians, and, and they would never think of, of, of talking to someone who, who is not saved. See, that's I don't think. In fact, I know that's not what God intended, right? So, uh, so that's also part of a lifestyle of evangelism. That's that's getting out, talking to people, making friends. I I have lots of friends who are not who are not believers, right? And what's cool about it is I get to share the gospel with them all the time, right? Because they're not—they're not—they're not pushing me away. They're, they're, he's, a, he's an okay guy. I mean, he's kind of weird. He's kind of always talking to me about Jesus, but you know, it's, it's, but I like being around him because he's friendly and he's—and he's—and he seems to care, right? So, uh, so that's kind of how I go about it, really, uh, to a large extent. I just make a lot of friends. And what's so hard about that? Right? The, um, 
And I want to give an example, and then we'll go to the gifts-based approach. Um, week before last, I met this uh, couple. I was delivering water to them. It was the first time I delivered water to them. Uh, and uh, they were a, a very elderly couple. They couldn't get their, couldn't get their water anymore. That's why they called us. And when I got there, um, in, in, in spending a little bit of time talking with them, I found out a couple things. The wife has uh, uh, incurable brain cancer. She's dying. The husband has incurable, he has emphysema, he's dying. Lung, lung cancer. They're, they're both terminal. They're both elderly. Nobody talks to them. They're, they're by themselves in this little, this little tiny house out there in Hidden Valley. And, and I also found out that uh, they have this very, very, very limited Social Security income. They, they told me they get their food uh, uh, when they get paid on the third of the month. But by about the middle of the month, they, they have no way to get more food. Because they can't drive, they, you know, nobody, they, they've been forgotten. And so, you know, I thought, man, you know, I, I'm going to share the gospel with them for sure. But, but there's, there's, there's uh, my, my heart was already starting to break. It was, it was actually, it was going to be, it was hard to talk. <laughs> it, it was breaking so bad. And, and I just said to them, say, look, my wife and I are going to make sure that in the middle of the month you have food. You don't worry about food anymore. And as far as the water, you're not paying me for any water. I'm bringing that water. That's, 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 uh, don't worry about that. Right? But let me tell you why I'm doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this because I'm a nice person. I'm not doing this because you know, I like you and I do like you. Right? I'm doing this because of Jesus. And, and, and so I wanted to give them the reason why uh, uh, they were going to be blessed. Now, uh, I did share with them the gospel. I actually prayed the gospel with them. And and they just said thank you, and, and that was it. And I got my, I was telling them, I got in my truck, and I, I started to drive away, and I couldn't even drive. I, I, I broke into this uncontrollable sobbing, like for about 10, 15 minutes, because my heart was just, it was shattered. I mean, it was shattered. And, 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 and uh, I, I felt this, 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 this sense of urgency. I, I, I went, actually went back and knocked on the door again. <laughs> Because I just wanted to let them know that, man, it's, it's, now's the time, it's today. You know, you're, you're, on, you're on the edge of eternity here. You know, especially being, you know, ill and everything. So anyway, um, so I befriended them is what I did. And, and I'll be their friends, you know, uh, as much as possible, right? And as, and as many times as possible. All right, gift-based approach. Um, in Romans 12, we're showing the, uh, the gifts of grace. The gifts of, and it says there, the gifts of grace, when you read it, right? Starting in verse 6. And it specifically states that, that the gifts differ according to the grace given to us. And then directs us to use them in proportion to our faith. Well, when I read that and I, and I saw gifts of grace, to me, grace equals salvation. Right? It, it's, it just, that's how I saw that. I've been talking with Grady about this for some time now, probably a couple, three years now, uh, about this concept that God's been developing in my brain about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
And what's cool about Romans 12 is if you ever want to, if you ever want to know what, what a Christian life is supposed to look like, read Romans 12. You know, if you want to measure yourself uh, where you're at uh, in, in your walk, read Romans 12. Right? So grace is always connected to salvation as is, as is faith. Therefore, it is my assertion that the gifts listed here in this passage can be used in the work of evangelism. Uh, they're listed in order, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, and mercy. So prophecy, there's a word that means speaking forth, right? <clears throat> so to prophesy is to declare the divine will or to make known uh, in any way the truth of God revealed in Scripture. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that preaching the gospel? Right? Can you see that? Um, service, this word is also referred to as, uh, how do you say that word, Grady? Di diaconian? Yeah, diaconian. That's the word for deacon too, right? So, uh, and, and uh, this relates to evangelism and that we can serve others who do not believe. Maybe helping them with various tasks, uh, fixing something for them, uh, helping them, uh, the infirmary age uh, might be a few examples. Uh, teaching, <clears throat> the third gift here, this involves analysis and proclamation of the Word of God. Explaining the meaning and context of application to the hearer's life. In terms of evangelism, this would include the clear teaching of the doctrines of faith. Right? So this is being able to, to clearly teach people, we taught them, how it is that people get saved. How does how did God cause their salvation? So being fluent, gospel fluency, right? in this teaching. Exhortation, this is also referred to as encouraging, right? This would be the consistent call to, uh, to others to heed the word of God. When you're talking to folks that aren't saved, uh, if you spend any time at all just talking with them, you know, kind of leaning into their life, uh, they're going to share stuff with you, like, like you share with you, you've been married three times. That is a wide open door right now, right? Why, what, what happened in all three cases, right? And, and there's a big story behind that that, that, that that encouragement can come out of, right? Um, building others up with scripture. Bill, you're doing that, right? You buy the guy a Bible. That's pretty encouraging with scripture. And to be comforting to others as they encounter trials and hard circumstances. So praying with those uh, who are not saved to encourage them is a form of evangelism, and especially when we pray the gospel with them. Uh, we, I set up the gospel talk thing once, once a month, and when I put gospel talk sign, I don't get as many people come up as when I put, do you need prayer sign? When I put that up, people start coming up, and, and, and they have all these uh, needs that they want prayer with, and one of my favorite questions to ask them is, you know, and I'll tell them, I am happy to pray with you for, for anything, right? And we're going to do that in just a minute, but what, what's, what's keeping you from praying God, from asking God? What's your relationship with God that might preclude you from being able to do that or hinder you from being able to do that, right? And again, it's, it's, it's an opening to share the gospel, right? Generosity, gifted givers are those who joyfully share what they have with others. The gift of giver is concerned for the needs of others and seeks opportunities to share goods, 
money and the time with them as needs arise, what better gift than to share the gospel? You know, uh, uh, we were reading last night, right, Robert, how Paul commended Timothy uh, in Philippians on uh, uh, putting uh, others' interests ahead of his own. So that's an example of that, right? Uh, leadership, the word literally means to guide. Right? So a gifted leader, not just pastors, but anyone who has the gift to lead by example of his life, which is marked clearly by the fruit of the Spirit, will attract an unbeliever, right? And then bring um, an opportunity to share the gospel, to lead by example, right? And then mercy, and this is closely linked to encouragement. A person with this gift is compassionate uh, towards others who are in distress, and they will show sympathy coupled with the desire to lessen their suffering in a, in a kind of uh, in a kind and cheerful matter, manner, right? Uh, Jesus commanded us to care for the widows and the orphans. And, uh, man, what a rich harvest, right? What a rich harvest. So, these gifts uh, that we just talked about, uh, I, I really believe are, are, are gifts uh, that God can give us to use for evangelism. And the reason I told you that, that little story about these folks is because yeah, I think we get under, we're under the impression sometimes that we're gifted with just one gift, right? Well, I, I have the gift of generosity, so I have the gift of mercy, uh, you know. But God directed uh, all these gifts with me, with that couple. Generous, we're going we're gonna to help them out. Mercy, I was, I, was, I was, you know, how can I not show mercy, right? Compassion, how can I not show compassion, right? Share, uh, uh, praying with them, uh, sharing the gospel message with them, teaching. All, all those gifts happened and, and occurred in that one 30, 35 minute meeting. You know, by the direction of the Holy Spirit. Not by me, but by the Holy Spirit working in me and through me to these folks for the purpose of evangelism. Alright? And then... Uh, I just keep going here, right? Understanding your style. <laughs> I like this. So evangelism styles. Well, confrontational. Yeah. Right? That's me. I raise my hand. Boldly asking people where they stand in relationship to God and exhorting them to do something about it. Right? Uh, just the word confrontational sounds confrontational. <laughs> right? <laughs> but... Uh, I think about this more in terms of uh, uh, zealous or bold or courageous, right? Getting right to the point, right? Uh, intellectual, well, that's not me. <laughs> but uh, formatting answers to difficult cultural, rational, scientific questions, apologetics. Um, testimonial. Sharing your story of a personal life change that has occurred because of your own faith in Jesus. I, I really believe that everyone should have a personal testimony that they can share. Right? It could be how you got saved. It could be something God did in your life. Rick, you have a, you have a powerful testimony. And, and I can't wait till, till, till God uh, really uh, uh, cultivates that and really puts it together in a way that it's going to be powerful. Right? If you ever, you need to talk to Rick sometime about what he's been through, right? 
Powerful testimony. Interpersonal. Uh, building friendships. I was talking about that earlier. Building friendships, right? Uh, uh, um, spending time with people with the intentional purpose of influencing to, to consider the claims of Christ. Right? Invitational. Extending invitations to non-Christians uh, to, to uh, participate in church. I do that all the time. I invite people to church all the time. Uh, join Christians uh, at their home or attend some other kind of Christ-oriented event. So there's, there's, um, we can invite people all kinds of things that, that we do, right? Maybe we're having a barbecue at our house, and and maybe the only people that we invited was was other people in the church. Why not bring your neighbor over? You know what's going to happen? They're going to they're going to see all these cool uh, people that, that that you attend church with. They're going to see all these believers, and they're going to see. Man, that's, that's not anything what I thought a Christian was like. You know, there was this guy, he was talking to me and, you know, asking me questions. He was caring about me. You know what I'm saying? These are opportunities. And then serving, expressing compassion through tangible actions that open the door to uh, gospel conversations. And that's something that uh, uh, I'm hoping that our church really starts to get better at is on the serving side. You know, we, we do some. But I, I think we're just missing a lot of opportunities. And we need to find what those are and then go serve. Right? On uh, a final analysis, whatever your style might be, uh, it's important at some point to drive people to the question, uh, who do you say that Jesus is? All right? I think that was it, Grady. Yeah. A question there. Uh, does it part of our style have to do with the person that we're talking with? Well, well yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. The person or the circumstance. Right. Right? Um, I don't speak the same way to every, every person I meet. Right? Um, uh, I'm, I'm really more question-based in my approach. I like to ask people questions, like that question, who is Jesus to you? Right. Uh, the important thing is you really have to listen to what they're saying. Right. Uh, you can't. It's. It, it's. You, you don't stop them in the middle of they're telling you who Jesus is to them, and then you say, "Well, that, well, you got that all wrong. Let me tell you who Jesus is." Right. You don't do that. Right. You listen to what they say because they're going to tell you a lot of stuff. Right. If you just listen, and then you respond with uh, with a thank you. You know, thanks for sharing that with me. I really appreciate that. Uh, that, that you that you told me who you think Jesus is. Would it be okay now for me to tell you who Jesus is? Right? So that door that door has been opened, a, a, a somewhat of a friendship or, or some kind of relationship's been established. And, and now you, you can talk to them. So, uh, so yes, it, it depends. You know, every situation is different. But the good news is God's in control of every situation. Right? Thank you. I do think probably people lean naturally towards one of these styles. And um, if you think about it, the styles connect with the gift portion, right? I mean, if your style is confrontational, more than likely you've got a gift of exhortation, right? You, you think they've got a different gift, prophecy, prophecy. something like that, right? Uh, you know, if you're the kind of person that your style is in, interpersonal, 
you're building relationships with your neighbors. You might have a gift of hospitality or something like that, right? Um, if your uh, approach is more intellectual, then you might have a gift of knowledge, something like that, right? So these things connect together. And of course, they're just, again, depending on people and circumstances, you might operate differently in different times. So uh, anybody willing to answer the question, what spiritual gift do you have and how do you think that that might be used evangelistically? I, I'll just give you an example. Like I have a gift of teaching. I got asked to do a wedding. I'm going to teach about the goodness of Jesus, right? <laughs> um, and uh, that's an easy way. Anybody else? I have the gift of exhortation and encouraging, and so I feel like I often at work, I am HR at work, but often I become like a counselor for a couple hours a day, and um, which kind of is the interpersonal, and later the question is like, what, how does this cause problems for you? Sometimes I don't take it anywhere but the interpersonal relationship or get to that question, like, so who do you say Jesus is? It just kind of, like, stays encouraging, but never really quite gets to Jesus. That's no, that's good, and, and and we can go there with the conversation. I mean, I was going to get to that question Sorry. next. No, it's fine, because it all it all weaves together. What uh, I've got another sort of reflection question there for you. Which style do you think you have? How might that be helpful and how might it cause problems for you, right? You know, if I, if I, I think I'm wired probably towards kind of an intellectual style. And so if I hear somebody say something that's wrong, I'm very tempted to be like, no, 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 stop. I do need to correct you because you're wrong, right? And then I've just blown the whole thing because I'm starting an argument, not pointing somebody to Jesus, right? So... Again, the question is, what, what do you think your gifting is? How do, you, how do you see that being used evangelistically? Or your style, what kinds of pros and cons do you see there? Well, I think for me, it's probably more testimonial because I spent almost half my life away from Jesus. And have a lot of experiences that he was present in, unbeknownst to me at the time, uh, but, but also just it gives me the opportunity to relate to people who have been in those situations themselves. Now the problem that I have, or the, the, the challenge that I have, is making sure I'm not just telling them a glorious story about my life that I'm bringing it back to what Jesus did in my life. Yeah, that's good. Uh, because if, it's easy just to get on this, yeah, back when we did this and this and this, and you start telling war stories, and you get away from the point, really. The point yeah. is, Jesus saved my bacon, and this is how he did it. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Chris. Well, I believe that, you know, I always tell people, you know, in order to love somebody truly, you have to know yourself, right? You have to know who you are. So that's the beginning of knowing this, of these different sections. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, but uh, um, ultimately, it's all good. I think all of it has to do with testimonial. At the beginning, I think everybody has to have a testimony of some kind. 
to be able to have that relate to relate some type of, to somebody but a testimonial then you throw a touch of confrontation in there or a testimonial with a touch of you know your skills of being a teacher I, i'm just looking at it that way sure because like you stated earlier you, depending on who you're talking to in the moment that you're in always dictates with any conversation even if it was about jesus right yeah take normal conversations that we have with normal human beings but i mean just you know whatever. i'm not yeah. saying being taught god's not normal for us but i'm saying you know just like hey what's up jim how's the family blah 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 oh, i'm having a crappy day oh do you are you having a crappy day too so you're not going to engage with that or you're going to say hey man yeah how are you so you have to know yourself at that moment of what you're prepared for i think at that moment because yeah. you might be good at what you do but at that moment you're not ready. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just looking. No, no, no. That's really good. And that's part of the reason for this discussion. Yes. Because the temptation can be, well, Gabe's an evangelist. Look at his personality. He He's bold and direct. So, you know, I'm not like that. So I can't do evangelism. Right? No, you can recognize that's one kind of way of approaching it. That's one way that God wires and gifts people. But your way could be different. Maybe it's more interpersonal and hospitable, right? So you take years to cultivate a relationship with your neighbor. And then there comes an opportunity. Step into that opportunity, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so much just being relatable. So uh, one, one of my, one of my uh, favorite ways of evangelism is, is, you know, I can walk into a neighborhood and, and there's this phenomenon where, where uh, whenever there's a garage door open, there's, there's usually... Uh, I usually see somebody flying like a like an American flag or some uh, an army or a Marine Corps or a Navy insignia. Because veterans like to do that. They like to, yeah. they like to stand in their garage and, and you know work on their car, you know, retirement or something like, guys like that, right? They're easy to go talk to, right? And and I've been using the same <laughs> conversation like for years and years and years with these guys. You know, I I, I, I ask them, what, what, where'd you serve? What'd you do? They tell me, they can't wait to tell you. They, they just want to share, 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 right? And then I, and I asked them, I said, so when you were when you're in the military, uh, you wore a uniform, right? Yeah, I wore a uniform. You're proud of the uniform? Yeah, yeah. You know, well, guess what? God wants you to change uniforms, mm-hmm. right? Because that uniform was about, about the world, but, but he wants you to put on the armor of God. You know what that's about? And, and you know who can put on the armor of God? Because that's a whole new uniform. It's a whole new way to serve. So it's it's uh, it's it's again, it's just recognizing opportunities in your audience too. Because like you were saying, yeah. the most of the guys like us and stuff who've seen war and seen combat, you know, we a lot of a lot of if you haven't found you or you find it in a foxhole, you know that old saying, right? Yeah. So when the bombs come and you're God help me, you might be an atheist. You never talked to him once, but it's coming, right? So you get, those are your testimonies. So that guy's waiting to have his testimonies, but no one's talking to him. Yeah, sure. All you need is the little, ring that doorbell, not literally, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. Because a lot of these guys are like that. They're, they need, they want. That's a perfect, that's a group. That's knowing your audience, and that's knowing yourself. Whether I know them guys, because that's who I am. Yeah. yeah. Right? So I, I agree, that's good. Yeah. Anybody else want to take a crack at it? Oh, one more thing. I'm sorry. I don't mean to take anybody's, but uh, like how I got here is because when I talked to you and I said, hey, this is how I've been evangelizing. Remember I was talking yeah. about this? I yeah. sent out, if I'm using my messenger Instagram for something, I might not use it for yeah. good. So I've been, I put out, you know, what he's done for me here and there. And I put out the Bible quotes and 
I mean, not always, not always like that, but hey, you know, if you're, if you're following me, you're going to get it. So, and I said, is that kind of evangel, is that kind of evangelizing? And you said, yeah, that yeah. is, you know, but it, you know, we can go further. Exactly. But I'm just saying, I, I, from the little I have or what I'm starting with, I'm trying, yeah. you know, I don't never deny the fact what he's done with me if someone asks me, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Amen. And if I put that, that, that one little <clears throat> quote out, like I did the other day, and people, I see people who liked it, who never liked it before, and I'm like, okay, there's, I don't know, right? Yeah. So maybe it's that one, that one word they're looking for the moment they're lost. I don't know. That that's an interesting phenomenon, isn't it? You can post something Christian on your Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and the kinds of responses you get from people, and you're like, oh, I didn't know that that person, and I don't. Maybe that's even a, a way to follow up, you know, or adore. To reach out to that person and just be like, I noticed you liked that thing. Why did yeah. you like it? <laughs> yeah. Um if I, anyway. uses it, why not? Why not? Sure, Us yeah, sure, sure. Right? So, so I, I, I do want to stress the importance of, of this point that Gabe kind of ended there, which is uh, at some point we do need to drive people to this question, who do you say that Jesus is, right? And I think sometimes we're nervous of, and we even talked about this, this is not a sales pitch, Right. So I think sometimes we can be nervous about trying to like close the deal or whatever, but Jesus does it. He's talking with his disciples and he says, who do people say that I am? And they're like, oh, you know, a prophet or Elijah or John the Baptist. And then he looks him in the eye and says, who do you say that I am? Right. So at some point we do need to bring people face to face with Jesus and say, what do you say about him? and probably the majority of the time, you know, they, they won't have anything to say. Peter answered quick, but we don't know what the other disciples at that point might have said. I have never asked anybody that question. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, probably in the context of relationship, that's maybe the most effective place to ask that. But it's also the place where you have the most risk. Right? It's one thing to go up to a stranger on the street and be like, who do you say Jesus is? If they cuss you out and walk away, you've lost nothing. right? But if after years of being friends with somebody, you say, hey, I need to ask you a really important question. What do you think about Jesus? Um, if they decide to cut you off, you've lost a lot more. But still, we need to bring people to that question. Because on that last day, they will say, Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But again, the question is, will they do it because they came to realize that and they trust him? Or will they do it because he's got his boot on their neck and they've got no other option? Right? That maybe wasn't pleasant imagery, but you get my point. Um, I want to talk for a couple minutes about this other thing, which is um, the end goal here, okay? I I want to make a distinction between evangelism and discipleship, and I think this is important. I mentioned this uh, either last week or the week before, that I think sometimes when people are kind of getting their foot in the door at a church or a foot in their door for Christianity, they're exploring it, we immediately heap on them all kinds of expectations for their behaviors. And um, I think that that can actually drive people not to Jesus, but to religion. Right? And he kind of talks about this in the book, 
that his son felt the need to conform to something he couldn't achieve on his own, right? So we don't, so we have these kind of two issues. We have the issue where we present the gospel as um, believe in Jesus and then you die and you go to heaven. And he has nothing to say about your life. So you can go ahead and just keep living like you've been living, but you get to die and go to heaven. That's not the gospel. That's not evangelism. Evangelism is more along the lines of step into the kingdom of God, follow Jesus, trust him, right? He died for your sins, not only to forgive you of the past ones, but to give you victory over the ones that are lurking around the next corner, right? So we want to give people the full gospel, but we also want to make sure that we're not heaping on them burdens before they've trusted Jesus. But the end goal of evangelism is conformity to Jesus, right? Um, Jesus even tells people, count the cost. You know, what, what man, who's, what, what king before he's going to go to war doesn't assess the, the strength of the army he's going to fight? And if he can't beat him, he goes and sends a delegation for peace, right? So we want people to understand that um, we want to bring them into the image and likeness of Christ as a new creation, so Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't, he didn't say go and make converts or Christians or people who wear, you know, T-shirts with crosses on them. He said, go and make disciples. Uh, so evangelism that produces repentance and faith in Jesus should never end without some kind of follow-up, right? My, this is one thing that my dad always does really well. Even if he's sitting with somebody on a plane, you know, he's like, let me have your contact information because I'll find a church. I'll connect you with somebody wherever it is that you live so that you can be sure that you understand what it means to follow Jesus. Let me follow up with you. Um, you know, probably for most of us, this shouldn't be hard because we're not going to be doing evangelism on airplanes predominantly. Hopefully it's people that you can, you know, you live around or maybe they're coworkers up in Phoenix or whatever, but you could help them get plugged into a church. Um, we see, and even this, man, I, I really think, I remember reading this in a book years ago and it really changed my thinking on this. When Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. In other words, teaching them to do everything that I taught you to do. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I don't think he's talking primarily about water baptism there. I think he's talking about bringing people out from under the dominion of Satan into the Trinitarian reality of this God who rules and reigns over them now. And that, that's, that's where evangelism is supposed to move, okay? So follow-up for somebody might include discipling them in person or over video conferencing if they're not local, um, helping them get plugged into a church, Aaron who's one of our deacons at Maricopa Springs, recently helped lead his brother to Christ. And his brother lives back in New York. But Aaron's helping him find a church by looking at some of the sermons and the statement of faith and telling him, you know, check out this church first. I'm sure he'll continue with some conversations with his brother as well. Maybe you give them a Bible, right? Bill's buying a Bible for this guy that he's talking with. Uh, encouraging them to start in a particular place, right? A lot of people pick up the Bible and they start in Genesis. And I think Genesis is actually like kind of Christianity 201, not 101, right? I think starting in something like a gospel, Mark or John or Luke, something like that. 
Um, maybe you, I mean, we live in an incredible information age, so the, the follow-up here should be fairly easy. You know, you could send them some sermons. Hey, you need to listen to this sermon that kind of really explains the gospel well, um, or a podcast or something like that. Um, Richard and I were talking today about Bible Study Fellowship. They've got an online Bible study that you can do pretty much anywhere in the world, almost any time, right? So there's lots of resources like that for people. Give them a book on basic Christianity. Um, regularly pray for them. Follow up with them. Ask how you can encourage them. So I'll, I like to think of, of like evangel. Well, I, I didn't think of this. Jesus said it, right? Um, that you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. So evangelism is a kind of giving birth in a spiritual sense, right? And what terrible parent gives birth to a child and then just leaves it to its own devices, right? So if you're going to be part, if, if, if God is going to use you to bring somebody into the kingdom of God and, and bring about this spiritual new birth, then you should be there with that person as they grow in maturity. And, and actually, that's Ephesians 4, says that God gave to the church the pastors, uh, evangelists, apostles, prophets, um, teachers, so that they might equip the saints for the work of the ministry in order that every person might be presented mature in Christ. That's the Grady butchered it version, but it's Ephesians 4, starting, I think, in verse 11. You can go look at that. So, in other words, the goal is maturity. Jesus does not want to leave any of his people as mere infants. Um, all right, any questions on any of that? We sped through some of this, so were there any questions at, at, at any point along the line that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Okay. Um, so I've been kicking around an idea. So next week we will, um, I, I do have, sorry, let me start over. Uh, your assignment this week is for you to read chapters seven through nine. So if you've been reading with us, pick up those chapters seven through nine. If you are reading, I hope that you're enjoying this book. If not, don't read it, but um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So we'll read chapters 7 through 9. And um, maybe you've noticed this isn't a book like specifically on evangelism. No, it's a book about the gospel, right? And, and that's, what, that's what I want you to have. Going back to that question is, I want you to have gospel fluency so that you can see how all these things connect ultimately to Christ. So read chapters 7 through 9. Next week, we will start to talk about just some different like methods and kind of how-tos for those of you that are like, I need you to give me some very clear instructions, Grady. We have those for you next week. What I'm kicking around doing is putting something on the calendar where maybe a Saturday morning, we go and walk around a park and do evangelism. Now, the reason for that is just to force you to do something that I know you don't want to do, right? Which is just go meet people and talk about Jesus because it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. You're going to get a lot of no's. Uh, I mentioned the first week this video about rejection therapy. Did anybody watch any of those? I have watched it. Did you watch it? It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah. This guy like 
has a fear of rejection and so he commits to spend 100 days to just make like he's going to do everything he can to get rejected once a day for 100 straight days and he actually has a really hard time getting rejected most people don't want to just tell him straight up no um so it's good for us to just face the fear uh give me thumbs up thumbs down if you're like yeah i if you pushed me grady i would do that a saturday morning evangelism in the park you pushed see half the room doesn't want to say no to me so they won't put up a thumbs down they just sit there like i don't know where my thumbs are tonight is that interesting well, my son has hockey games on saturday yeah okay this is for encouragement okay um, um if, if you think it's if you think it's going to be like a burden, don't think about it like that. If you think it's going to be, ah, do I have to? Don't think about it like that, right? I, I got a long time ago. Uh, I was asked to take over for this, this this pastor who was preaching at the San Francisco Gospel Mission. It was on Thursday nights, and and and, and, the, and the pastor told me, "Gabe, just just go fill in like for a couple of weeks until he comes back because he he was uh, he couldn't do it for some reason. I don't even remember the reason anymore. So long ago." So I was only going to go for about a couple weeks, and seven years I was going there. For every Thursday for seven years, the San Francisco Gospel Mission, and what it was, was uh, there was this big long line that went around the corner in, in the evening. There's people waiting for a bed and a meal, right? And the only way they got a bed and a meal, they had to listen to a, a, a like a half-hour sermon, right? And so I was the one giving the half-hour sermon. And I did this like week after week, year after year, and 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 people were throwing stuff at me. They were they were I mean bottles, beer bottles, whiskey bottles, calling me names for, for seven years. Not one. I, I gave altar. I, I used to be a big altar caller, but nobody ever walked for seven years. Nobody, not one. And I was so discouraged. I kept begging the pastor, let me do something else. I, I hate doing this. And they said, no, no, you're good at it. You've got one person's come to Christ in seven years. So, so, so it became like a burden to me. And I, and I hated it, right? And it was, it was sapping my evangelistic um, uh, spirit, right? So now, 20 years later, 20 years later, I was walking down, uh, I was going to this Bible conference in San Francisco, and I was walking down Market Street, and this guy was walking towards me, he's dressed in this, in this really nice suit, and I thought, oh, this guy probably works in the financial district, maybe I can share Jesus with this guy before I go to the uh, conference, but he's looking at me really funny, and he walked up to me, he says, I know you. I go, well, I don't know you, because you don't at all, me. I know you, I said, well, how do you know me? He said, you used to, you used to preach at the gospel mission, right? I go, yeah, I did, for all, for seven years, right? And he said, I was one of those guys that, that really hated you. I hated your guts. And, and he told me that, that he, he thought I was obnoxious and, 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 a, and a Bible thumper and all this. And, and I said, well, okay, so where are you going? He said, I'm going to a Bible conference. I said, well, so am I. I said, why are you going to a Bible conference if you hate me? He said, no, some other guy came along and he shared Jesus with me and, and I got saved. I'm like, man, you know? <laughs> so it was cool to hear that. Yeah. Right, yeah. and 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 so uh, it, it made all those memories turn from burdensome to really cool, right? So you just never know. And I would say, in addition to that, all of that rejection, all of that fruitfulness, or, or fruitlessness, 
has totally prepared you to be the kind of guy who can just share and people don't respond, right? I mean, yeah. what I'm, what I, that's such a beautiful story of God using you in an incredible way. Um, well, he didn't use me, some other person. No, but he did. <laughs> no, he did you use it, right? You, 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 you were tilling the ground. the ground. But like, if I remember back to week one, I think when I asked how many of you have ever led somebody to Jesus, I think like half of the room roughly raised their hands. So there's something about just going to park and walking around and just telling people like, hey, do you have a minute to talk about Jesus? And having lots of people tell you no, that then when you go to you know talk about it with your coworker who sits down with you at the lunch table and is telling you about their divorce, you're like, ah, okay, well, what's the, I already had that mean dude in the park who cussed me out. Like, what's the worst that happens, right? Well, I think I will find a date then, and we'll go do that. Um, and I would love for you to join us. Um, maybe God will do something incredible and and uh, lead some people to himself through our efforts, or maybe you'll just get kicked around a little bit and it'll toughen you up for the next time. That's great encouragement. <laughs> either way, either way you will be blessed. But you know what, I, I think that I, I, we've got a couple of examples here, people that are fabulous at this, and I know I'm not gonna wake up tomorrow and be Gabe. I, I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm not going to be gay. I'm going to still be Susan Foley. Yeah. You know, and so for those people that don't have Gabe's gifts in in the same way that Gabe does, or that you do, Grady, it's okay for us to look for our own ways. True. Too. And, and look at those, that list of gifts, of spiritual gifts, and, and say, oh, how am I supposed to be using those gifts that I believe I have? Because if Amen. I believe I have them, then it's because God's placed that in my heart. Yes. You know? Amen. Well said. And Susan, that's part of the reason why we have these names up here, yeah. right? Because we can go to the park. And, uh, and God might do something incredible, and, and that would be awesome. But God has already given you a mission field. And, he, and he's actually, you're the perfect person for whatever reason. Like, he's put you in these people's lives. He's wired you the way that you are. Here you go, right? So that's, that's an excellent point. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, yeah, I don't think I'll ever be like Gabe in this regard either. But... Uh, I would like to be a little bit better in whatever way that I can. So, I, yeah. I think for me, uh, I, I went for years feeling that way. And I kept every night, I would pray, not that I would be gay when I woke up in the morning, but that I would be willing. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Because I, I kept, for some reason in my reading, I kept reading that we will be persecuted. So why can't I be willing to be persecuted for my mm -hmm. Lord? Yeah. And uh, But it took me a long time of praying that before I was... Before you became willing? Sort of willing. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't me... anxious, sort of willing. <laughs> that makes me think of Augustine, who, who, when he became a believer, he began to pray, God, make me chaste, just not today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, on that note, let me pray. 
Um, God, we do think about these names up on this wall here and your divine wisdom in giving us these relationships. And so we pray for these folks. We pray that you would give us opportunities to just share with them this beautiful news about Jesus, about God in the flesh, about a God who loves them and who welcomes them, who is willing to bear the stain of their shame and their sin, who's willing to heal the pain of their loneliness, um, a God who knows their deepest needs and is ready and willing to meet all of those needs. Lord, we pray that you would open up the eyes of these folks and allow them to just see the beauty of Jesus and use, use us in that uh, process in some way. Um, I pray that you would give just wisdom and discernment to the people in this room to help them understand the way that you have gifted them and wired them and, and, and made them who they are so that they can be a unique vessel for proclaiming the gospel to the world. Um, and I pray that you'd give us the courage to be willing and the courage to be bold um, and allow us to see those opportunities. And we pray this all in Christ's name for his glory, for his kingdom. Amen. Amen.